Now you can open your Bibles again to the fifth chapter of Mark's Gospel. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind, and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue, or power, as the Greek says, had gone out of him, turned him about in the press, and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Now, I started last night to speak on this subject, and it's been so long, and you know I have a good memory, but it's been so long since I spoke on this, and I don't even remember. Amen. Since I related this. I may refer briefly to it occasionally, but that's different than going in detail and speaking on it. I was conducting a meeting in Phoenix, Arizona in 1953, latter part of, uh, in fact, we was there three weeks uh, the latter part of November and the first part of December. And on Friday night of the f first week of December, as the home where I was staying, we'd gathered for some refreshments and time of fellowship. And uh, suddenly I had a burden to pray. These were all full gospel people. They understood. And so we just went to prayer. Now, if you want to hear the first part of it, you'll have to get the tape last night because there's a, there's a whole lot to it. But uh, the Lord Jesus appeared to me in a vision. And uh, he talked to me uh, first about uh, my ministry. And he talked to me about uh, some spiritual things. He talked to me about financial things, my finances. And he said, uh, 54 is the year for more. And uh, I knew that he meant more in, in the three areas he was talking. Ministry, spiritual, and financially. And in 1954, from a financial standpoint, the Lord gave my wife and I two houses and lots. Praise God. Amen. And uh, we had been a little while before then just living in a little three-room, not three-bedroom, three-room apartment. And when I'd come in off the road, you know, while there's no place for Ken to sleep, he slept on a rollaway bed in the kitchen because we didn't have but three rooms. But, thank God, God gave us two three-bedroom homes in that year. One at the beginning of the year. We closed out the deal for it in February of 54. And uh, then in, in uh, a little later on that year, in uh, June, praise God. And uh, it was a year for more financially, spiritually, and ministry-wise. 
And then he said to me, be faithful, fulfill thy ministry, for the time is short. Well, if the time was short in 1954, then the time, or 53, the time is even shorter now, about 31 years shorter. Jesus is coming. Amen. And so he, when he said, be faithful, fulfill your ministry, turned around, walked away, just like somebody holding a conversation with you would turn around and walk out the door, through, you know, leave the room. And I said to him, dear Lord, may I ask you a question, please? And he turned and came back to me and said, yes. And I said, because this was on my heart, you know, afterwards you think of a, we say, you know, just speaking humanly, a thousand and one things. But uh, at a time like that, that's a spiritual experience. It's not a mental experience. And whatever you think or whatever's on your mind has nothing to do with that. And you don't even think about it then because you're not in the mental realm. See, God's not a mind. God's a spirit. And you are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. And, and so actually at a time like that, the only thing that you will think about is whatever's on your heart. Your heart's your spirit, you see. Whatever's here. And this was what was heavy on me. I, I said, I have two sermons that I preach, two messages. One of them really a preaching sermon, the other more of a teaching message. From Mark chapter 5, the woman with the issue of blood. And I have the, it seems to me that I have the consciousness, more of an inward witness than an inward intuition. Uh, a lot of time when I preach that, that there's something else there. A lot of time when I'm praying. Uh, one time in prayer, it seemed like I just practically had it. Now, some way or another, I didn't get it. So if I'm right, while you're here, I wish you'd give me that message or that, that outline, that sermon outline. And so Jesus said, you're right, and I'll give it to you. Get your pencil and paper and write it down. And so he said, write down one, two, three, four. Well, I wrote down one, two, three, four. I know then that there's going to be four points. And I left enough room between each one of them so you could fill in whatever he's going to say. Then he said to me, if anybody anywhere, well, anybody anywhere included us there in that home in 1953, but anybody anywhere includes all of us here today. Anybody anywhere will take these four steps or we'll put these four principles into operation. Now, he didn't explain that. I understood what he meant by it. I'll explain it to you. You see, anything that God's already made provision for you, or in other words, promised you, or already provided for you, can be yours now. And so these are steps right up to it. But in some areas, things have to work out over a period of time sometimes in the area of finances, and so on. And they become principles then that you put into practice over a period of time. And so he said, if anybody anywhere will take these four steps, or will put these four principles into operation, they will always receive. Well, always means every time, doesn't it? I mean, if this is true, we ought to give heed to it. And if it can be proven by the scriptures, and remember now that the Bible said, in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. 
And so if it can be proven from three scriptural references, the same principles or the same steps, then it's gospel and Bible truth, isn't it? Amen? Then if we don't receive, it's all our fault. That couldn't be God's because he don't ever fail anyway. If anybody anywhere will take these four steps or put these four principles into operation, they will always receive from me or from God the Father whatever they need or whatever they want. Now, he didn't uh, give me any title to it, and so I wrote my own title to it. And I call it How to Write Your Own Ticket with God. How to Write Your Own Ticket with God. And again, you run into folks that have the very idea, you can't write your own ticket with God. It's all up to God. Well, no, that's not true. You see, man has his part to play as well as God has his part to play. Amen? What did this woman do? So he said to me then, what was the first step? Now you see, what did this woman need? What did this woman want? Well, you can see the greatest need of her life is healing. She suffered for 12 long years. Suffered many things of many physicians. She's nothing bettered but after 12 years, worse. Then she spent all of her money, all of her living. She's got nothing left. That certainly is a destitute condition. Hopeless and helpless, isn't it? Amen? Now, Jesus said to me, what was the first step that she made? Or what was the first step that she took toward deliverance or healing? Well, when he asked me that, I, I, I thought, well, now, the, let's see, 25th, 26th verse tells us about her condition and spending all of her money. And the 27th verse said, when she heard of Jesus. So I said, well, when she heard of Jesus. He said, no, no, that's not a step that she made. That's a step that somebody else made. They came to tell her about Jesus. Now, you see, you have to realize this, that you've got to hear first. Are you listening to me now? See, she heard. Now, after she heard about Jesus, wonder what she heard. She's bound to have heard that he's healing people. Amen. I said amen. amen. Because that's what she came after. So what was the first step? And you know, I really didn't know. Now, I'd preached from Mark eleven twenty-three, 23, uh, partly the same principle, but I really didn't know. He said to me, 28th verse said, for she said, the first step she made was she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. So he said, step number one is say it. Say it. Then he said to me, I wrote it down just as he said it, positive or negative. It's up to you. Or you do it. He said to me, this woman could have spoken negatively. She could have said, I've suffered for 12 long years. I'm no better. Actually, I'm worse. I spent all of my money, all of my living. I have nothing left. I might as well go ahead and die. And he said, if that had been what she would have said, that would have been what she would have received. Positive or negative, 
It's up to you. You know, a lot of people have talked themselves right into dying. Now, I'm just me now. I told you what Jesus said on that. That's all he said on it. A lot of people have talked themselves right into dying. Whether you realize it or not, sometimes people's relatives have talked them into death. Because they kept talking unbelief and doubt all around them. A number of years ago, my wife and I were holding a meeting in East Texas. In fact, to be more explicit about it, it was in the year of 1944 and in the month of July. I knew you'd want to know, so I thought I'd better tell you. <laughs> now, this pastor of a full gospel church had had a heart attack. I'd, I'd heard that, but that he's doing fine. Now, when we got there, we learned this, that his, actually, when our meeting came along, first time he'd been back in the pulpit, not to preach, but to conduct the service. I'm the guest speaker. Then I remember that uh, at that time, Brother Goodwin, you know, who later on came to Pasadena and was pastor over here at Pasadena for about 27 years. He was pastor there in East Texas at Riot City. And I went over and visited him. And Brother Goodwin was telling me that the, this pastor had a heart attack and that he was in the hospital and unconscious and several of the neighboring pastors just kept praying for him. Brother Goodwin told me, he said, the doctor himself, one of the doctors told me, he said, uh, you, you fellas are just holding him here with your prayers. You'd be better, he'd be better off if y'all just quit praying and let him go on. He said uh, his heart stopped and... Uh, and he didn't get oxygen to his brain. I don't think he ever will regain consciousness. But if he does regain consciousness, his mind won't work right. Because he didn't get oxygen to his brain. Uh, you know, his heart stopped too long before we could get it going again. And, and, and he might, uh, you know, just be a vegetable. And then again, he may not even ever regain consciousness. I doubt very sister to ever even regain consciousness. How he's lived, we don't know. But other than, uh, than y'all have held him here with your prayers... And you'd do better if you'd just quit praying, let him, leave him alone, let him go on. Brother Goodwin said, no, I, I, we can't do it. Some way or another, something on the inside of us just won't let us do it. And they prayed him right out of it. And he suddenly woke up and to the doctor's amazement. His mind was all right. Praise God. Mind was all right. But now he'd been in the hospital, you see, for about a month. And he was back home all right. He, his, his wife also was a preacher, and she had been preaching, filling the pulpit. And so he would conduct the service, make the announcements, you know, and so on. Uh, I just, you know, finally turned the service to me. Well, one night after church, now we, my, our family was, you know, our children hadn't started the school yet. And they were with us in the summertime, my wife, all of us. And uh, the war was on, you know, World War II, gasoline's rationed. So we'd go one night in his car to church, and the next night we'd go in my car to church, you see, just night services. And so we got in the car and started home. Now he started to make some announcements some way or another and sort of got his tongue tangled up and said something backwards, you know. The minute he got in his car, the wife, she just jumped right on him. Well, the doctor said your mind wouldn't work right. And I'll tell you, you just made a mess out of that, you know. Uh, you probably just should never preach anymore and shouldn't even get up there and conduct the services. And my wife spoke up and she said, why, sister so-and-so, uh, Brother Hagen or Kenneth just got right up behind him and there's nothing wrong with him. And, and, and your husband just made one mistake and he's made three, three times. I know, it's just one of those nights. I mean, you couldn't say anything right. You know, sometimes it's just that way. And there's nothing wrong with him. But she had just constantly hound him. 
Just constantly hound him. Well, you can't do that. Now, remember the doctor said this, and you'll never make it, and so on. Well, one day, my wife had gone to the, uh, we used to call them, you know, it's hard to get away from, way back on the Depression days, we used to call them beauty parlors. Anybody old enough remember that, you know? Uh, now, I don't know what they call them. Now, every kind of name now, really. Anyway, she had gone to the beauty shop to get beautified, <laughs> to get her hair fixed. And uh, there was a call came. Uh, some member was in trouble or something or sick. And so the pastor went to visit to see about him. And so the pastor's wife and I were washing dishes. I was actually washing dishes and she's drying them. I'd rather wash them than to dry them. And I said to her, I said to her, uh, Sister, you, if you don't stop, you're going to talk your husband into dying. You're going to talk him to death. And uh, she got mad as fire at me. I mean, she almost spit on me. You know, just yelled out, how that minute you know. And uh, I said, now, wait a minute. Wait just a minute. Wait just a minute. Wait just a minute. I said, I want to tell you this. I'll stake my life on it. I'd let him cut my head off for it and say it isn't so. That wasn't just Kenneth Hagin talking to you. It came out of my mouth, but that's the Holy Ghost. You, you know, we, uh, we think about and read it and, and don't stop and analyze it and realize just what happened. But you read down the 21st chapter of Acts, you know Luke is the writer of the Acts. He was with Paul's company. And he said, you know, he talks about their journey. And they came to Caesarea. And they stayed in the home of Philip the Evangelist. They were there a number of days who had four daughters which did prophesy. And there came down a prophet from Judea, you know, called uh, named Agabus. And when he was coming to us or our company, he took Paul's girdle. Now, in other words, men wore robes and that's just simply that, uh, that's just simply we'd call it a sash more or less, you know, or something, you know, around his waist. And he took that and bound his own hands and feet. And said, thus saith the Holy Ghost. Somebody said he prophesied. No, he's not prophesying. He's just telling what the Holy Ghost is saying. You see, it's either a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. He's just repeating what the Holy Ghost is saying. There's a different thing of prophesying. See, uh, a word might come through prophecy. But, but I said, that's what the Holy Ghost is saying. That's not just Kenneth Hagin. See, we make a mistake sometimes of thinking that spiritual gifts ought to work just in church. Now, thank God they do. I said, thank God they do. Amen. Are you listening to me? Amen. But we make a mistake sometimes because we don't see them, maybe, in manifestation in church. A lot of times we think they're not working, when a lot of times in a lot of our lives they're just working every single day. Glory to God. Amen. Revelation. Amen. Comes to us sometimes. And, and, and different things. Praise God. I just said to a person, you know, suddenly I just had it in my spirit, one of our workers. I said, do you have, uh, did nobody in, in, in this, this hand? Uh, arthritis or pain? I didn't know. I said pain of some kind. Yes, he said the hand just didn't work right. I, I just did in the office, you know, doing office work. And, and I went to the doctor. He said, I got rheumatoid arthritis. Well, I said, there it is. You got your heat to go your way. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. See, I just suddenly had that revelation. 
Actually, pain struck my head. Well, I knew there wasn't anything wrong with my hand, but it got me thinking. I thought, where is that? Where is that? Who, who is that? And she was the only person nearby, so just ask her. She said, yes, yes, that very hand. But thank God. Well, now you see, there's a manifestation of the word of knowledge and gifts of healings right there in the office. Amen. Glory to God. Can you say amen? amen. Thank God for the supernatural. Amen. Say it out loud. Thank God for the supernatural. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise his holy name. Well, I said to her, that wasn't just Kenneth Hagin that said that. I'd let him cut my head off before it said it didn't so. I'd die right on the spot before I'd say it wasn't so. I said, that's the Holy Ghost. I just repeated what the Holy Ghost said. He just simply said to me, you tell her that her husband will be dead in two years if she doesn't shut her mouth. She said, well, Brother Hagin, knowing how God uses you, I'll accept that. Well, she did get much better while we were there at least, and we left and went our way. Two years later, two years later. Now, you see, you got to realize that that was June, I mean July of 1944. Now, we're talking about June, or actually talking about May, almost two years, you see. Don't like much. May, that a part of May of 1946. And I'm preaching revival in a certain church. We went there to start the meeting on Sunday night. And the pastor said, uh, we're going to have a funeral here Tuesday. Oh, I said, who, who? He said, well, brother so-and-so died. They're bringing him back. It is his home church, you know. And he's going to be buried here. Funeral's going to be here. And, and that flashed in front of me. See, it was almost two years exactly. It was almost two years. See, 44, 46. Amen. That poor dear woman just flat talked him to death. Don't shout me down now just because I'm preaching real good. She just kept talking unbelief. She just kept talking doubt. Amen. Get off of that negative side. Get over on the positive. Live there. Stay there. Amen. So step number one, say it. Now what did she, first step did she make? Jesus asked me, he said the first step, she said it. Say it. He asked me, and I didn't know, you know, and I'd read that through so many times. What was the second step? I never thought of looking at it like this. Though I'd read it, I didn't know. He said step number two, do it. You see? Notice. When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, or in other words, for she had said, already said it, if I may but touch his clothes, it shall be whole. You see, not only saying, but now you see action. Say it. Step number two, do it. Now here's what Jesus said. I wrote it down. He said, action... And I added the word hour there. He didn't put that. He just said actions. Defeat you or put you over. Our action, in other words, or your action. According to the action we receive or we are kept from receiving or we are defeated. He said to me, I'm, I'm quoting him verbatim. I wrote it down. He said to me, 
it wouldn't have done this woman any good to say, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole and stay where she is. But you see, she had to add action to what she said when she acted on it. That's all he said on the subject. This is just me talking now. You remember that James said in the book of James, King James translation, faith without works is dead being alone. Now that's a little bit blind to us because a lot of time people get their mind and they're on uh, works for salvation. But remember, James not writing to sinners. He's writing to the church. He said, is any sick among them called for the elders of the church? These people are already saved. They're already in the church. Amen. Now that's just a little blind to us, King James translation. Weymouth's translation of the New Testament reads, faith without corresponding actions is dead, being alone. And then Weymouth translation goes on to say, you show me your faith without your actions, and I'll show you my faith by my actions. You see, faith is revealed in word and action. And it's safe to say that there is no faith without word or action. Or if it's there, it's dead. Amen. I said amen. amen. You see, for faith to work, you've got to put it into action. Now you go real quickly with me. You've got your Bibles there. And I'll give you a scriptural illustration of that. Go to the uh, Acts of the Apostles. Notice that this is the uh, first missionary journey of Barnabas and Paul or Saul. And notice that the word that God tells us, 16th chapter of Acts. Now I could quote it, but if we quote it, I think folks miss it. I want you to take time to read it for yourself. So the word that God tells us concerning uh, their ministry, I said 16, I meant 14th chapter, that there Paul and Barnabas preached the gospel, 7th verse, and there they preached the gospel. Where? Well, Lystra, Derby, and so on. And then the 8th, ninth, and 10th verses tells us something that happened under the preaching of the gospel as Paul preached. There said a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. Now a man, a man, grown man, never walked a step in his life, born crippled. Now look at the ninth verse. The same, that is the crippled man, heard Paul speak, who, that is Paul, steadfast in beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. Now stop reading right there at the end of the ninth verse. What's the last statement of that verse? He had faith to be healed. Didn't he? Is he healed? No. 
No. No. He's still sitting there crippled. He's still sitting there crippled. He's still sitting there crippled. Why? Because he hadn't put his faith into action. Read the next verse. Paul said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. Hallelujah. And you see, when he acted his faith. Now you have to realize this. That a lot of people try to act on somebody else's faith and it won't work. You'll fall flat on your face. Are you listening? Or they try to act just from a mental standpoint. And it won't work. But when you know, bless God, and you'll know it right here on the inside of you, somebody else may perceive it. Preaching right here, I preached all over Texas. You know, I left my last church. I passed up East Texas 1949. And from 49 through 62 and into 63, I was on the field there, you see, for 13 years and a little better. Going from church to church. And, and I had people, I remember preaching one time up here at Waco. Month of September, 1953. Four weeks of September. And I remember a lady came to that meeting. And uh, I, I didn't know, I didn't know the congregation. I'd never preached in Waco before. I was preaching in the old 18th and Pine Assembly of God Church where Hardy Weathers was pastor at that time. 1953, September. Four weeks. And uh, taught in the morning time, 10 o'clock, preached at night time. And you know, it wasn't a large church. Oh, you know, maybe a couple hundred people, but we'd have more people than that out, maybe 300 at night. You'd have about 100. Well, I think we finally got up to 150 in the daytime teaching them. And uh, there was a, a large bill in every offering, morning and night. Now, this is 53, you've got to realize, see, that's 30-some-odd years ago. We, we hadn't hit any of this inflation spiral. And a large bill meant a lot of money. Big, every single time. Wasn't putting an envelope or anything. You see, we, we put the meeting on, just sort of like we did here. I actually worked with them. I didn't have anybody. They had all the singing and all. I'd take the offerings up in the morning time for the church, and they'd give me every night offering. The morning offerings, you know, paid all their expense and everything. But morning and night. So, Brother Weathers mentioned that, said, you know, the ushers said, you know, they'd count the offering. There's a large bill in there every time. We got to watching this, this woman putting that in. Well, I said, who is Brother Wood? said, I don't know. I, I thought maybe, you know, I could see that she's a very aristocrat-looking woman. I mean, just stood out ahead of the crowd. I mean, I mean, you look back over the crowd, you know, and she's so dressed and so, so uh, aristocratic. It just stands out. And so uh, Brother Wood said, I'm going to find out. And so he found out, and then he came and told me. In fact, he brought her and introduced her to me. Now, I could tell you something about her, and you would immediately recognize every single one of you. But I'm not going to tell you. Amen. You'd immediately recognize it's a very prominent person. Very prominent person. And he said she has cancer. And she's never been to a full gospel meeting before in her life. But she read a testimony sometime of somebody that was healed under our ministry. And she's come to stay here during the whole meeting. So I talked to her. And in talking to her, I saw, of course, that her fate's not on that level. She knows nothing at all about the baptism of the Holy Ghost and spiritual things. She is born again, and that's just about it, just a baby Christian, see. So I said to her, because I, I had laid hands on her, a uh, small church, that way I just laid hands on people on Tuesday and Friday, and she didn't receive. And so I said, now, 
how long are you going to stay? Oh, she said, I'm going to stay till the meeting's over. I, I'm going to be here. If it runs six months, I'll be here. Fine, I said. You just come day and night. I'll be here. I said, now don't come back in the healing line or the prayer line. She also wanted to be filled with the Spirit now that she's heard about it, knows about it. I said, just sit there and listen. And, and with this kind of a small crowd, you can't always do it on a bigger crowd. I, I, I'm not going to take time to explain to you why, but you would understand it if I had time to do it. But with a smaller crowd, like in the morning time, for instance, I said, I'll know. It, it's just, do you know said Paul perceived? Didn't say the Lord revealed it to him. Did you notice that? said he perceived. There ought to be a certain amount of spiritual perception to every one of us. Preachers and all. And you too. I said, I'll perceive when you get to the place. In other words, you have faith. Faith comes by here and you just stay there. And so, well, we went on this week. We got over and it was about the third week then. We stayed four. And one morning, right in the middle of my Bible lesson, you see, this happened right, evidently right in the middle of Paul's sermon. Because the Bible said, the same heard Paul speak, speak, he was speaking, who steadfastly beholding him, the lame man, perceived that he had faith to be healed. Hallelujah. So I just happened to look, and I perceived that she is ready. She had faith. I said to her, sister, pointed to her, she's right down here at the front. I said, it's yours, stand up and receive. She just stood up and started talking in tongues instantly. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God, right there, just like you snapped your finger. Praise his holy name. Thank you, Lord God. You know, it ought to work the same now as it worked here. Got the same God, same Holy Ghost, same Jesus. And thank God it does. I said, thank God it does. Praise his holy name. Praise his holy name. Now, here's what I want you to notice, though. Who, that was Paul, steadfastly behold him, and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. Well, he's got faith to be healed, but he's still sitting there crippled. Can you see that? He must put that faith into action. And when he did, it worked. See, I perceive that woman had faith to be filled with the Spirit as well as faith to be healed. I'd laid hands on before. So I said, that's it. Praise God. Instantly she received. Your actions are so very important. Amen. Amen. Now then, let's go a step further. Step number three. And Jesus said to me, this is so very simple. Now listen real carefully. Jesus said to me that night in that video, he said, I never did give anybody anything that was complicated. So any sermon you ever heard or Bible lesson that was complicated didn't come from him. Amen. He said, when I was here on earth and I preached and I taught, he said, I spoke in simple terms because the people as a whole were uneducated. And I spoke in the most simple terms where they could understand, the, the most simple, the uneducated could understand what I was saying. And I'd use illustrations that everybody knew. I'd talk about sheep, and shepherds and sheepfolds. Well, they knew about that. I talk about vineyards. Amen. Are you listening? And he said, I never did give any message to anybody that's complicated. God wants you 
to state it in the most simple terms. Hallelujah. Where folks can understand. Step number three, receive it. Say it. Do it. Receive it. You see? Notice what it said. For she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And immediately Jesus, knowing in himself that virtue of the Greek word is power. Power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press. But the word of God says straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. She received her healing. Then Jesus said to me, power is always present everywhere. Faith gives it action or puts it to work or uses it. Now, you see, Jesus is anointed with that power. Acts 10.38 said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. Now God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. Notice now that the scripture said power went out of him. What kind of power was it? It was healing power. As God sees fit, one could be anointed with that power. But right on the other hand, wherever God is, the same power is present because it's God's power. Amen? God is everywhere present. Well, wherever he is present, then all of the attributes of God are right there. All of the abilities of God are right there. Now, for instance, I'm speaking here this week in Lakewood Church in Houston. Well, I didn't leave one bit of my ability in Tulsa. I brought it all with me. Wherever I am, all of the abilities I have are there. Amen? Amen? Wherever God is, and God is everywhere present at once. How could that be? I don't know. I just believe it because the Bible teaches it. Then his power is there. His ability. His ability. I like this. Why don't you turn just a minute? We're not in any hurry, are we? Praise God, we're going to be here tomorrow night. If I don't get through, bless God, we'll just talk along this line tomorrow night. Turn over here to Luke's account of this same incident. And, and, and notice, see something a little further here. 43rd verse of the 8th chapter of Luke. Luke records the same healing, the healing of the woman with the issue of blood. And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all of her living upon physicians... Neither could be healed of any. Luke was a physician. He states it a little bit different. Spent all of her living upon physicians. Neither could be healed of any. Came behind him and touched the board of his garment and so on. Now, Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied. Notice that. When all denied. 
Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee and sayest thou who touched me. And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me. Now before I get to the punchline, the real thought I wanted to bring to you, I want to bring something else to you here. I want to call your attention to something. Jesus said, Somebody Now remember this, dear friends, a woman with issue of blood, read the book of Leviticus, is in the same category as a leper. They cannot mix and mingle freely in public. And if anybody gets near to them, they're supposed to cry out, unclean, unclean, I'm unclean. You see, this woman was a nobody. But when she touched Jesus, she became somebody. Hallelujah. He takes nobodies and makes somebody out of them. Hallelujah. Now you evangelists, that's a good subject. Nobody or somebody. That's a good title. Tomorrow night, tell them you're going to preach on nobody or somebody. Every person is either a nobody or they're somebody. Who's a somebody? Only people who know Jesus are somebody. That fellow, he may be president of the university, but if he don't know Jesus, he's a nobody. Amen. He may be king of some country, but if he don't know Jesus, he's a nobody. Amen. He may be the world's most outstanding uh, uh, intellect, but if he don't know Jesus, he's a nobody. He may be the head of some religious organization. But if he don't know Jesus, he's a nobody. Amen. Amen. He may be the, the richest man in Houston. But if he don't know Jesus, he's a nobody. Amen. Amen. He may be president of the largest bank in this city. But if he don't know Jesus, he's a nobody. Amen. Amen. He may be superintendent of the largest public school in the area. But if he don't know Jesus, he's a nobody. He may be governor of the state, but if he doesn't know Jesus, he's a nobody. He may be state senator, bless God, from your section of the state, but if he don't know Jesus, he's a nobody. He may be congressman from your district, but if he doesn't know Jesus, he's a nobody. Amen. But when she touched Jesus, she became somebody. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Can you say amen? Now, that's not part of my sermon at all. Just throw that in for good measure. Won't charge you a penny for it. Now, here's what I was getting to. I just thought you might enjoy that. See, you thought you was a nobody. Do you know Jesus? How many of you know Jesus? How many of you have been touched by him and you touched him? Then you're somebody. Say it out loud. I'm somebody. I've got, I, 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 got, I got to just go a little further on that. I can't quit now on that. Praise God. People out in the world, same kind of spirit that's in the world, if you're not careful to get in the church, people will yield to it. You know, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and said in the fifth chapter of the first Corinthians, first letter he wrote, it's commonly reported that there's fornication among you or immorality. Such immorality that shouldn't be mentioned among the saints of God that a man should have his father's wife. Now here was a stepson that evidently had uh, taken his father's 
his stepmother away from his father and was living with her, cohabiting with her in, in sin and immorality. Now, you see, you've got to realize this. If you're a student of history, you know it. Corinth was one of the most immoral and licentious cities in that country, in that part of the world. And that spirit of immorality got in the church. Did you ever notice that so many times, whatever kind of spirits in the world, if you're not careful, will get in the church? Yes, sir. And, and, and you hear out in the world, you know, people talking about they've they got to find out who they are. Well, if they're nobody, of course, they're not nasty. They don't know who they are because they're nobody. <laughs> Trying to find out who they are. Going to all kind of this, that, and other, trying to find out who they are. And that kind of spirit's got in the church. I was listening to that so-called Christian television program. And, and here's a woman on there singing, you know, and then they're interviewing her. And, 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 and uh, Christian, not only born again, but spirit-filled tongue talker. And so interviewing her, she said she had to find out who she was. Why, if she had one eye and a half since. And never learned to read, she ought to know who she is. Bible said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. She's a new creature. Amen. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Don't care if in the world she is a woman. In the sight of God, she's a son of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Heir of God, joint heir with Christ. Don't know who she is. So she had to divorce her husband, get out on the field, build up her name, establish her identity. Don't know who she, I got some man to turn it off, turn it over, start watching the Western. I knew that was make-believe. I knew that was make-believe. In fact, I think there's more truth to that Western because that Western is based on facts. Some facts. Amen. Don't shout me down. Trying to find out who they are. God established my identity. That's nothing but the unvarnished devil. Don't shout me down now just because I'm preaching real good. Man, you can take off in a half a dozen directions here almost. Amen. Now, you wouldn't think that with somebody that, that, that's become somebody. Don't know who they are. Don't know who they are. Who they've been listening to. Not God. Not the Bible. Not a church where they preach the word. I don't know. Maybe they went to somewhere where they left the word. Got off to giving book reports. <laughs> and having style shows. Well, I guess you've got to do something when you've lost the power try to entertain don't shout me down oh I better shut up right now I'm going to start meddling if I'm not careful well here's what I started to say come back here come back here to the HL. don't leave don't leave you're going to miss something good Jesus said somebody everybody say somebody, somebody. has touched me when you touch Jesus, you become somebody. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, listen. Here's what I want you to see, though. Somebody has touched me. For I perceive that virtue, or that is, again, power, is gone out of me. 
Somebody touched me. Now, one of the modern translations, I don't know what translation you have there. I was reading the King James. One of the modern translations said, Jesus said, somebody has made a demand on my ability. I like that. I like that. I like that. Somebody has made a demand on my ability. Glory to God. You see, God is everywhere present. Because God's everywhere present, then the power of God's everywhere present. God's ability is everywhere present. Why don't it do something then? He's waiting for you to make a demand. He's waiting for you to make a demand on his ability. How do you do that? By faith, bless God. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Hallelujah. Power is always present everywhere. That's what Jesus said. I wrote it down. Faith gives it action or puts it to work or uses it. Now, I refer quite often to my healing. I spent 16 months bed fast before I was raised up from what the doctor said was a deathbed. I couldn't live. And if I told you everything that happened in 16 months, it'd take me 16 months to tell it. And even longer because you'd have to explain part of it. So I refer to it quite often, but I only refer to the part that's pertinent to what I'm talking about, you see. Well, I was healed after 16 months bed fast and being uh, incapacitated all my life for the first 16 years of my life. Just a few days before my 17th birthday, August the 8th, 1900. And 34. And uh, I was healed about 10.30 in the morning in the front bedroom of 9103 East Greenville Street, the city of McKinney, Texas. Second Tuesday of August, 1934. Now, I was healed acting. See, now, I didn't know. After he gave me this, I went back over that. See, I didn't pick up on that. I knew I was healed. But after the Lord gave me this, I saw that unconsciously, I say unconscious, unconscious on my part, but yet unconsciously I was following the Spirit. The Spirit of God will always lead you in line with the Word of God. He won't direct you apart from the Word. Amen. Now acting on, I didn't see this about this woman, you see. I just saw Mark eleven twenty three. Whosoever shall say and shall not doubt in his heart and believe those things he says shall come to pass out whatsoever he says. Therefore send you what things ever you desire when you pray, believe you receive and you'll have them. Now, I prayed and believed that I, I, I said, I see it, I see it, I see it. And I've been looking at that verse for months and quoting it. Must have repeated it thousands of times. What I must do while I'm still lying here bedfast is start believing that my heart's well while it's still not beating right. I've got to start believing my body's healed while I'm still paralyzed. I've got to start believing I'm healed while I still have the incurable blood condition. And if I'll believe that, that I receive it, then I've got his word for it that I'll have it. It isn't my part to have it. It's just my part to believe I receive it. I'm going to tend to my part and let him tend to his. And then I had an inward urge. See, I didn't see everything I see now. Uh, but I began to say out loud in the room, not real loud. If you'd been standing by the bed, you'd heard it. But I begin to say, see, take the first step, and I didn't even know it until these years later when he gave me this, see, that I, that's what I did. I began to say, I believe, I believe I receive healing for the deformed heart, the two serious heart, organic heart, 
troubles. I believe I receive healing for the paralysis. I believe I receive healing for the incurable blood disease. See, I said it. Then on the inside of me in my spirit, I heard these words. Now you believe that you're well. Come on. You know, there he said, Whosoever shall say and not doubt in his heart, but believe those things he says, shall come to pass, he'll have whatsoever he says. Therefore, saying you what things ever you desire, when you pray, believe you'll receive them, and ye shall have them. Common everyday old American slang, it just simply said you got to believe you got it before you get it. Amen. That's exactly what he said. That's exactly what he said. And so, I had said it, and on the inside of me, because see, I'm born again. Now, I don't know anything about being filled with the Spirit, but I'm born of the Spirit. And he's in there because his spirit bears witness with my spirit that I'm a child of God. And on the inside of me, I heard these words. Now you believe that you're well. I answered back, I sure do. <laughs> that inward voice said, get up then. That's what Paul told this fellow to do. Stand upright on your feet. Now how's a paralyzed person going to get up? Now I'd regain, oh, maybe 60% use of the upper part of my body. But when you got down to my hips here and you went down, the body's dead. I mean, I, I didn't have, I could look down there and see I had feet, but if it went by feeling, I wouldn't think I had anything from here down, waist down, just numb, just dead. No feeling. No feeling. Hadn't walked a step in 16 months. Not one single step. Not one single step in 16 months. Now, how are you going to do that? Well, this man's crippled from his mother's womb. How's he going to stand upright on his feet? See? How's he going to do that? Well, you're going to do that by faith. But someone said, I believe I'll try it. Well, it won't work. It flat won't work. But I'll tell you, when because you believe it in here, you do it, it'll work. So I made the effort. I, I, I could use my hands to some extent. Not real good. I'm still helpless enough that my mama had just bathed me a couple hours before. That's how helpless I was. I was still helpless enough that I couldn't exactly free myself. Sometimes I could do pretty good, but I'd start to my mouth, you know, didn't, didn't dare try to eat with a fork because it'd punch yourself. I'd start to my mouth with that spoon and throw it over my shoulder. Couldn't miss my mouth. See? Because it didn't work right. I, I had some use. I had had no use at all, but I've regained some use of the upper part of the body. But I said that so you could see I didn't have very good use of it at all. But I, with my hands as best I could, I began to push. Push my helpless body up to try to get to a seated position. Push my helpless legs off of the bed, even scoot off of the bed and hang on to the bedpost. If you could imagine, man alive, my knees crumpled. I don't think my knees were over that far off of the floor. And I've got my arms as best I can hold on around that bedpost. And nothing happened. I don't feel anything. But having, you know, been flat so long, not even setting up. Not even setting up in bed. Not even setting up. Furthest up I'd been is two pillars under my head. Mama would pull me up and put the two pillars under my head. But you see, you, you, you get up then... And I guess the blood rushes to your head. That, that whole room just started spinning. The floor is where the ceiling was, just going around and around. I see the dresser come over and the chest of drawers. And, 
And I just, I just held on, shut my eyes. And held on to everything, quit spinning. Then I opened my eyes and everything's in place. The dress is right where it was. And the dress sets the drawers and the rocking chair. But I'm no better. I'm still hanging on that post and really slipping down it till my knees just virtually touched the floor. So I, I had an urge. I know it's the Holy Ghost now, but it didn't then. And then with intuition, I said it again. I said, she said it. I said, I want to announce. Never heard of anybody doing it. Strange territory to me in Southern Baptist. But I just felt led to do it. Never heard of anybody doing anything like that. I said, I want to announce in the presence of Almighty God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost and all the holy angels who may now be present in this room and in the presence of the devil, Satan himself, and all evil spirits who may be present in this room that according to Mark eleven twenty three and 24, I believe I receive my healing. Now, when I said that, I felt something strike me in the top of the head. Now, you say, what did it feel like? Well, I, I came up with this definition or this term or these words back there 50 years ago last August, and I've never changed it, never been able to improve on it. I said it felt like somebody might be up above me, you know, maybe a, holding a pitcher of honey about a foot above my head and pouring it out, you know, because I could feel that striking me. And then, 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 then it just oozed, you know, like honey or syrup would just ooze, just fingers of it oozed down over my head, down my cheeks. And it had a real warm glow to it. How did this power feel that went out of Jesus into her? You know? You know how it felt? Huh? Amen. Well, that's the way it felt to me. And thousands through the year have testified to the fact that a warm glow went all over them. In fact, at healing school, people come everywhere. We had people from several foreign countries as well as here in the United States, as well as some of the students there. But we had a man and his wife came from New Mexico. Now, she had cancer. He had, the doctor said, uh, that, that the, uh, the joint in one of his hips, the bone just deteriorated, just, just gone, just, just, just rotted away, as we'd say from the natural standpoint. There's no socket there. There's no bone and socket there. Well, he can't walk. Of course he can't walk. And they come down there. They're good Baptist people. Thank God for the Baptist. And they, they, they know the Lord and love the Lord. And, and they just come down there sort of as a last resort because they're going to operate on that hip and put in a steel socket. You know, they got to where they can do it. There's some kind of a socket in there. Maybe plastic. I don't know. But they can't do anything for her. Uh, doctors tell her she's terminal. She's going to be dead in a matter of a few months. Terminal cancer. Well, wasn't very long after they were there. I remember when she wrote me, she wrote me a letter three months afterwards. Said, Brother Egan, I purposely waited three months. Uh, she said, now my husband was instantly healed. 
and the doctors by x-rays confirm the fact that there's a socket joint there in his hip. It's put back in there. He said when you laid hands on it, see they carried him down there. He was in a chair, but they got him up and stood him up, not on that leg, some of the men. When you, you laid hands on the power of God came on, he fell in the floor, that he felt just a burning sensation. I just burned like fire in that hip. And he's perfectly all right. Didn't have to have the operation. The doctors confirm that there's a joint. Praise God in that hip. The power of God did that. The power of God did that. Now she said, I felt a, a warm glow like went over me. I fell in the floor, but I couldn't tell any difference in my physical condition right away. But it began to change. I could tell within 10 days a great difference. And another 10 days a great difference. And now then, I mean, the doctor just looked at me and said, I can't believe it. I, she said, after three months, I meet people on the street. They'll just stop and stare. I said, I can't believe that's you because they saw her before. Now then, she's a picture of health. The doctor said, I, I don't understand it. You know, can't find a trace of it. Just all gone. Just disappeared. Well, now one of them had a burning sensation, more than just a warm glow, just a burning sensation. The other warm glow went all over him. Thousands of people have testified, not only in my meetings, but other meetings and other people that it just felt like, of course, many have been healed. I've been healed. Don't misunderstand me. Since then, I've been healed many times, never felt a thing. Except every symptom left. Bless God, that's a good feeling, isn't it? <laughs> Amen. I mean feeling a manifestation of the power is what I'm talking about. But the thought I'm trying to get over to you is this. That warm glow went all over me, see, and down my, end of my, down my arms and out the end of my fingers and down my body. And when it got to my waist, you see, as it went down my limbs, feeling returned. And it went out the end of my toes and I'm standing straight. <laughs> lifting my hands of praising God. That's pretty good for Baptists to lift your hands and praise God. And I've never seen anybody praise God in my life. Never seen anybody lift their hands and praise God. And 50 years have come and gone. I'm still healed. Praise God. Amen. Now, the, here's the thought, though, that I want to get over to you. That power didn't just come that day. God didn't look down over the banister of heaven. He said, come here. Come here, Gabriel. You see down there in McKinney, Texas? That's 32 miles north of Dallas, you know. Down there, you see that boy down there in that front bedroom there on East Greenville Street, 903 East Greenville. Now, uh, you know, I, I, I just uh, feel like we ought to make an example of, of him, do something extra for him. Let's just raise him up. Let's send the power down there. Get your power gun now and aim it from heaven right on him. When I give you the signal, you, you turn the juice on. No. No. That power didn't come into that room just that day. Every day for 16 solid months, that power was in that room. Because God was there. If people could only realize it, Power is always present everywhere. I mean in every sick room in Houston, in every hospital room in Houston, 
in every sick room in the United States, in every hospital room in the United States, there's power present right there to heal every single one of them. And it'll not deplete the power. It's there. Why doesn't it do something? If that power's there, why, why doesn't it heal them? If it's healing power, well, is God a healing God? Well, if you ever read the Bible, you know he is all the way from the beginning of the Bible to the end. If God's there, he, he hadn't left any of his ability anywhere else. It's all right there with him. Then his healing power, his healing ability is there. Well, if it's there, why don't it heal people? But I'm going to ask you this. The Bible said today is the day of salvation. Now is accepted time. God's saving power is not any different than his healing power. It's the same power, same Holy Ghost, just a different action of the same spirit, isn't it? Well, his saving power is right here tonight. His saving power is wherever God is. His saving ability is wherever God is. And God's not willing that any should perish, but all should come in repentance. But if his saving power is there, why don't his saving power save those people? Well, either because they don't know it's there. You can't take advantage of something if you don't know. Or, if they do hear it, they reject it. Same way with the healing power. God's power, Jesus said to me, power, and of course it's God's power, we understand that, is always present everywhere. Thank God. Faith gives it action. See here, Jesus is anointed with that kind of power. But he said, daughter, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Whose faith did it? Jesus' faith? No, her faith. Her faith gave action to that power. Her faith caused that power to flow. Thank God the power of God flows. Flow out of Jesus into her. Man, there's so much more. I mean, there's some goodies here. Be sure and wear your shouting clothes tomorrow night. <laughs> Don't come without having on your shouting clothes. Amen. Amen. We're going to get into something good. This is all good, but I mean, it's going to be gooder. Like the little boy said, it just gets gooder and gooder. He was testified about being saved, said it gets gooder and gooder. Now, this is getting gooder and gooder, isn't it? Hallelujah. Now, notice something here. Notice this. Jesus said this to me, and I wrote it down. Feeling and healing. Notice, she felt in her body that she was healed. Notice that. Feeling and healing followed the saying and the coming or the action or the doing. See, she had no feeling or healing until after the saying and the action. Then she had the feeling and the healing. Now, that's what we're after, is the feeling and the healing. She felt in her body, she's healed. But most people want to put the feeling and the healing up front, right up front. When I feel it, 
when I can see them healed, all my symptoms disappeared, I'll start believing it. I'll start saying it. And I'll start acting then. No, that won't work. You got it in reverse. Are you listening? Amen. The feeling, Jesus said to me, and the healing followed the saying and the coming or the action or the doing. She said, if I'm ever touch his clothes, she came. Then she felt. Hallelujah. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father. That concludes this message. For more information about Kenneth Hagen Ministries, call 1-888-283-2484 or visit our website at www.rhema.org or write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Post Office Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74150-0126. And in Canada, write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Post Office Box 335, Station D, Etobicoke, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, M9A4X3.